Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so much for your presence tonight. Whether you're listening to this on the YouTube version or the podcast version, I really appreciate you guys being here. We're going to be diving back into the realms of business, entrepreneurship, and using social media as a business tool with my guest, Dr. Matthew Loop. So whether you're you know, here in the live, there, there is an aspect of being in the chat while we're live that is, is really cool. So it really helps stay engaged if you want to ask the guest questions. But either way, sit back, grab a drink, enjoy this conversation. The Human Experiences in Session. My name is Xavier Katana. My guest for today is Dr. Matthew Loop. Dr. Loop is a best-selling author, speaker, philanthropist, and the highest-paid social media revenue strategist in North America. He's helped brand brands, celebrities, startups, and small business owners multiply their influence, impact, and income by harnessing the power of the internet. Matt, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Welcome to HXP. Xavier, I'm thrilled. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I mean, I have your book here, and it is a Bible of social media. I mean, I can't think of anything <laughs> that isn't in this book. It's it's 500 pages. I mean, how did you how did you get to a point where you thought, okay, I'm going to write a book about you know becoming a social media strategist? I mean, how did you do that? I mean, you did your PhD. I doubt that your PhD thesis was on, you know, how to be a social media strategist. <laughs> no PhDs in, in social media. Um, it, well, it's very interesting because I knew I always wanted to write a book, but when you think of writing a book, it just seems like this huge mountain you have to climb. And I've been training people way back in the MySpace days. I'm not. Do you remember MySpace, Xavier? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so way back then. When everyone thought it was kid stuff, I just happened to be at the right place and and the right time. And you know, we can certainly expand upon that story a little bit later. But I knew that I had this this message that I wanted to get out, and also this new medium that I had found. Certainly, no one knew what social media would eventually evolve into. But you know, throughout that time, I've just been very fortunate to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on and. A lot of hard knocks, a lot of learning on my own because there weren't any any manuals or video tutorials and other business coaches that you, you could really learn from to, to grow their you know brand or companies. So it was just a very interesting scenario hmm. coming back in, in, in that um, uh, in that day. So again, I learned from the school of hard knocks. Basically, you don't just hang your sign. And uh, in your office, and expect people to come through the door. You know, I don't care how great of a doctor or if you have a small business, 
you still have to get out there and learn how to communicate. So that's just what I got good at using social. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely essential. Having a social media presence, I think, is key to the success of any business. Um, you know, so was there a point? I mean, a lot of this involves psychology, just human psychology. So sure, there, sure. in your book, you mention um, the psychology of persuasion as, as something that, that influenced you. And what about psychology? You know, how do you think psychology affects how we perceive a brand or, or the image a person portrays? Yes, that's a great question. So I've always been fascinated why we make the decisions that we make when it comes to purchasing. And early on, I didn't really understand certain elements of business and or psychology until I got my hands on a book by, um, uh, well, two books. One was uh, E-Myth by Michael Gerber, yeah. where he talks about the technician, the entrepreneur, the manager. And I realized I was a great technician in the office. I was great at adjusting people, helping them. But I totally missed out on that entrepreneurial training in school. And right around that time, I also connected with uh, Robert Cialdini's book, Influence the Psychology Persuasion. And when he talks about these factors like consistency, reciprocity, you know, authority, liking, uh, scarcity, you know, like all these things that influence it, I, I really began to learn and discover how to apply them in my own uh, business ethically so I could move that person that knew they had a problem, they needed a solution. Like some people are just still really, really stubborn. They might know that they need this particular thing, but yet there are objections, there's fear holding them back. There's all these things that were planted in their minds in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So I just got really good at learning how to use social media to overcome those objections and then build my brand in such a way that um, I established myself as an authority that I was the only logical choice when somebody was looking for, you know, that specialty. Wow. I mean, you, you call yourself the highest paid social me media revenue strategist in North America. That's, that's quite a claim, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I guess, you know, because of NDAs and stuff, you can't discuss, you know, the companies and or the celebrities. Are there any people that you can name that you've worked with? Um, I've worked with Fortune 500 companies, uh, many brands that you're right, I do sign NDAs. Um, I don't know any other social media revenue strategist or strategist for that matter that has a private jet mastermind or does some really cool stuff like we do. So um, I'm pretty confident when I say that because I've looked around and then you've got, all, you've got a lot of social media strategists which do great work. But revenue strategy is really finding those hidden profit centers in the company, those high leverage areas where you can tap into and ultimately make some minor tweaks in, in some cases, and you see exponential growth. Hmm. So my work really functions more along the lines of a detective, I should say. Interesting. I mean, you, I mean, from just, you know, scanning the book, I couldn't, there was no way for me to read the whole thing in one week. But I mean, just scanning the book, it seems like you're, you're more of an analytical guy. Like you, you have a very cerebral way of kind of like putting things together. So, I mean, would you say there's a type of personality, maybe someone that's like outgoing? Is there a type of person personality that makes social media interesting? Does that make sense as a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen it work for introverts just as well as extroverts, quite honestly. And by nature, even though I do speaking all across the country, I, I consider myself more along the introverted lines of, of thinking. And the great thing is when you start putting yourself out there, you 
one, you just have to get comfortable speaking with an inanimate object, <laughs> the camera. Hmm. And if you can, if you can do that, like you talk to a friend, it's not so bad in, in, in that regard. So I've, you know, I've seen people excel from both sides of the spectrum, those that are very outgoing, extroverted, and others that are more reserved. I can't say that it's one more so than the other. It's just about when you're going into any social media venture. One, I like to look at this as using business as a force for good and really aligning certain things, you know, having them in a row. Like, like I don't, I can't just work with any company based on my attitudes, values, and beliefs. You know, I have to resonate on a much, much deeper level if I take on a project or whatever. And I always encourage my clients, yeah, of course, everyone wants to generate more revenue in their, their business, but you know, why? Like, what is your purpose of doing what you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have a greater purpose of maybe ending child sex trafficking? You know, like connecting with something that's deeper to where you connect your product, your brand to a mission that's way beyond you. And that excites me. That gives me goosebumps. And if you, I just find that if you connect to a big enough why and your purpose is great enough, listen, challenges are going to happen. We're all going to get knocked down, but it's just, it's going to keep you going. So I like to fuse that with whenever I'm working with clients and, or just my content online. And if I'm even the slightest bit scared of putting something out, I try to reconnect with the, um, the greater meaning in my life. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That makes sense to me. You know, let's, Let's let's define marketing because I I feel like some people could think that you know because you're influencing you're per- persuading someone sure. in some direction there could be some sort of like ethical you know breach that perhaps you're treading the line of you know and and maybe you know because you, because you're influencing this decision that it's it's tricking you in a way you know so how do we define marketing yeah, I don't believe in tricking, shenanigans, or hard selling, or like hard market. Like one, you always have to be truthful in your marketing. Period. I mean, that should go without saying. Hopefully, you have a great product that is <laughs> for the bene- benefit of mankind. You know, like those are things that I believe are are standard. But marketing is simply your ability to communicate to the right person at the right time in such a way that they get the big idea. And listen, they were already going to use your service or product anyway, but sometimes they need a little bit more hand-holding. For instance, uh, you know, I mean, if somebody might have an objection about like, well, you know, if I, if I buy this is, um, you know, is it, uh, uh, let me give you, let me give you a good example. Um, uh, okay. For, for example, hmm. uh, I, I work with a lot of uh, chiropractors as one niche for instance. Mm-hmm. And one of the common questions that they get a lot from patients is, you know, once I go to a chiropractor, do I always have to keep going? Now, regardless of where that thing came from, you know, a, a smart way to answer that question would be, well, I mean, do you feel like you always have to keep going to the dentist? And then somebody would be like, well, well, yeah, it's your teeth. You know, you got to get regular hygiene and maintenance on your teeth every few months. And well, going to the chiropractor is the same way. Most people forget about their spines until they're in pain. So why wouldn't you, you know, <laughs> go to a chiropractor every few months to get a line, make sure things are moving properly so you don't have any maybe degenerative problems when you're older or you're not hunched over. So again, it's about like ethically influencing and answering, you know, if, if people have the right objections, well, I should say if, if somebody, let's say, can't afford your service, you would never try to sell them anyway. 
like, oh, hey, you know, stack mm. the value, all this stuff. Man, I, I, I believe in transparency and turning people away that are totally unqualified. So there is a line that you have to tread. But if you look at it from a communication standpoint, that's all marketing is. And the better you are at communicating your message to the right person, it's like as you educate them, it's the logical thing to do would be to buy the product. You know mm. what I mean? It's not like you're misleading right. them in any way, shape or form. Right. So you're informing them and you're you're giving them an informed sort of calculated version of, you know, what the product does so that sure. they can so that so that it can be a beneficial exchange on both both ends of the equation. Sure, sure, sure. Now, I might listen. I might know that if I give a 100% money back refund, money money back guarantee for 6 months, I might know that will increase my conversion that the person will buy, I don't believe that's unethical at all because I stand behind my products and programs and they're really good. They change people's lives every single day. So again, you have to have something that's really, really good. That goes, that's a standard. And then once you have that, you know, you'd, why wouldn't you want to stack the value? So people, if they pay a hundred dollars, they get five to 10 times the value in return on the front end and they have a guarantee and they have these things. It's just like, who doesn't want to receive more value for this product that they pay? Hmm, yeah, for sure, of course. So, I mean, is there? Can you think of a tale of two products, maybe, where marketing succeeded on one side and and the other, and maybe the product on the other side was even a better product, but the marketing was just there. You know, the marketing worked more effectively, and so people kind of leaned in the other direction. Uh, well, I can think of. I don't mean I don't want to throw companies under the bus per se. I'm thinking of a company. I don't. I you know, there are, there are companies that use certain principles in certain marketing, and they do not have the best products. I mean, I could go into the the fast food realm of things where companies that have been around for decades and decades, they're really well known and they built a lot of trust in the public market. Yet these companies are arguably. Uh, in some part, responsible for the diabetes, heart disease crisis mm -hmm. that we face mm -hmm. because they consistently push junk. Now, I'm not saying that the average person that works there, you know, listen, they they might not have any clue, but at a certain level, you got to know that your product is is not really good on the human body. It's scientifically proven to <laughs> all these carcinogens, these chemicals, and whatever. Sure. So I'm not gonna, you know, uh, risk getting a, a cease and desist letter here, but right. but you, you know what I mean. So yeah. But there are companies that have done that very well. I like to think that if you understand sales, marketing, and influence, you almost can turn the tables and really use business as a force for good to get something out in the world that betters humanity in some way, shape, or form. You know, whether that's through cleaning oceans or um, just helping somebody live a better quality of life. Yeah, I mean, I think that is kind of, you hit, you know, you hit the nail on the head there with me. I feel like that is my motto is, you know, developing products or creating things that are going to make the world a better place. Sure. And and I think I think the trend is moving in this direction that we're more earth conscious. We mm -hmm. want to pick companies that are using materials that are recyclable and you know we want to lessen this this footprint that we have on the sure. earth sure 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 and also i i find myself like I, I agree with everything you just said and i also find myself wanting to spend money with companies that do align with just a bigger mission that pay it forward either through service and or monetary donations so for example you know um i just spoke to a buddy of mine 
who is uh, starting a separate company and a percentage of their proceeds are going to be donated through helping to end um, uh, trafficking, which is which is amazing. You know, I love that. I rally around that so hard, and so I, I'm happy to spend money with companies like that. In fact, I go I go out of my way to sure. because I know it's going to make a bigger um, just a positive impact in the world. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you know, let's let's break this down for someone who is in the beginning stages of you know perhaps the branding aspect of a business and establishing that that social media presence, like how do we, you know, how would we, how would you train that person? What would you tell that mm-hmm. person? First, I would say that positioning is 90% of the ball game. We live in a very watered down market. I, I mean, regardless of what business you're in, there's a lot of noise out there and it's getting harder and harder to just stand out and, you know, get your piece, so to speak. So you really have to think about, again, the psychology going back to, you know, I can show you a lot of the strategies and tactics on social media, Facebook or Instagram, LinkedIn or Snap or all these platforms. And yeah, they'll work to a certain degree based on your business, based on your situation, your offer and all these things. Uh, but if you own the positioning game, if you know how to establish yourself as an authority, like, you know, we're connecting right now because, you know, we talked earlier just about, for example, you saw me on LinkedIn, you, my book looked very interesting. There were certain things that techniques here. Well, there were certain things that that drew you to my content, sure. and potentially, and I know we have a lot of mutual friends based on your previous guests. Right. So, like, I'm thinking, you want to harness those same so same things. So, definitely, one thing that you can do to elevate your brand in the marketplace to differentiate you is to write a book. Now, that's not a short term play, but to have something with your name on it, it's really bi- it's a big deal because less than 1% of the population writes a book. Mm-hmm. Another way that you can position yourself is to get in certain circles, you know, with uh, celebrities that have good uh, I should say goodwill in the marketplace that align. Maybe they are, maybe you're working with these people or you're finding ways to work with these people. Maybe you are just getting in the circles and, uh, you know, getting photos or videos or whatever. Any way that you can separate your brand personally and your company from everyone else out there. Another thing is aligning with companies that have spent tens of millions of dollars on branding already. You know, uh, when I, when I was offered an opportunity to speak at NASDAQ, for instance, I took that for a couple reasons, but one of the prime reasons is NASDAQ is a household name. That is just, you know, to elevate my brand, to differentiate myself from all the other social media, you know, people out there, like you align with brands that are credible in your space that ultimately there could be bigger opportunities. Another thing is the philanthropy element. You know, not a lot of businesses, if you look at them collectively, are using philanthropy enough in their business model. And if you if you do that in conjunction with everything else that we just talked about, well, now you just have another notch in that belt. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're featured on the news, that's another credibility thing. Like, so there's all these things that I lay out in my book and that I've talked about online that that matter is in terms of first impressions. Mm-hmm. professional professional photos like looking the part and all these things is somebody goes onto your website within the first few seconds like your foot is in the door or else they're moving on to they're a different website a yeah uh, exactly yeah. so if you can at least get that initial couple seconds like oh wow this person looks like someone of interest they're delivering value into the world and let me check out their blog post their podcasts or this then you have the opportunity to further that relationship and now like 
build your email list, build your podcast subscriber list and you know things things like that. So I always look at that before I ever look at social media strategies and tactics. Mm-hmm. How is your brand positioned in the eyes of the general consumer that you want to service? You know, if you look like a surfer and you're trying to service like a high-end affluent business market, right. that's going to be a, a difficult and you might be extremely knowledgeable. However, the first impression might turn people off, like turn your audience off because they expect a certain thing. So just things to consider. Huh. You know, it's, it's interesting, Matt, because it, there's, there are a lot of, you know, Hollywood types that, that follow us on Twitter. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I've had interactions with them and, and it seems like, you know, there, there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens, you know, as expected, sure. you know, they, they have to do this as, you know, people who are under, you know, social, uh, social scrutiny, they, you know, they're examined more than, than we are about, you know, who they align with. So, so if, you know, if you can secure that sort of endorsement, I mean, you're, you're, you're on a rocket ship, right? Sure. So how important is authenticity? Cause I, I feel like, you know, that is kind of the selling metric for me. If I get that sense of, you know, this person isn't, really being authentic there's there's you know if i even if that even registers on my radar i just mm-hmm. i close off right yeah yeah and that's a separate art form honestly you think oh i can just i can be myself in front of camera but a lot of people can't do that you know they get all tight they just they're not themselves and so that takes it takes practice i think initially as you get going and you should always try to ground yourself and connect with people close to you initially even uh, what what i used to do on camera I still do this sometimes. My wife will be directly behind the camera holding it. I find it – and I've analyzed this in my own videos, videos that I just do from a tripod. I mean I can speak like I would to a normal person, to a friend, a, co- a colleague and whatnot. But I find that if my wife is behind the camera, I just seem to open up even a little bit more. My personality shines better and I'm just more of myself. Hmm. So you have to kind of hack you know, your, your strengths and weaknesses and, and really uh, – Take a critically analytical look at maybe how you can be the most genuine you, and th- like for, that's just one example of doing that. It, it just um, you got to get out there and don't worry initially. I mean, if if you're not a certain type type of person, don't be that. That's not you. And it, but it's how you like how you how you come across in terms of your nature, and that's going to depend on the market. But you have to be um, – I'm a big believer in authenticity. People will find you out very easily in today's world. Um, hmm. you know, the whole fake it to the make it thing, I mean I believe you have to look the part in certain regards. Right. But you don't, you don't have to have a million dollars to look like a million dollars. You know what I mean? You can buy a nice suit at like <laughs> for relatively cheap. I just think that you got to know your audience and then not get too tripped up on – the techie geeky stuff and deliver value when it when in doubt be an asset that's been my motto when in doubt just be an asset help somebody get closer to the solution that they're looking for and you automatically have a notch up and a, a, a new level of credibility for sure you know there's so many times so many examples that i can think of where someone has approached us about being on the show and i mean we get i don't know like 300 400 messages a day on twitter mm-hmm. And, you know, 10% of those are people who, who want to be on the show. And immediately, you know, if, if the person is approaching me in the sense of, 
you know, if I sense a sort of aggression about wanting to be, if they're being pushy about it or if, yeah. if they feel entitled about being on the show, you know, because I've done this, it, it doesn't work. But when, when someone is just sort of humble, takes a step back and says, you know, how, you know, how can I, you know, I've done this, I've accomplished this. How can I be an asset to you? How can I help sure. you in what you're doing? Mm-hmm. It, it stops me and it, it gets me to pay attention. Sure, sure. I love what Joe Polish says. He always says, life gives to the givers and takes from the takers. It's it's so true. Uh, You know, but yeah, if you can, when in doubt, if you can lead with value, that'll, that'll shock people. I still get shocked when, when I have somebody say that to me. I I don't know what to say sometimes. Like, okay, because there are a lot of takers in this world. So just, you know, do the opposite and that will get you very far. Well, you think it's a trick. You're like, you know, what's the catch? What's going on? Something for free? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, okay, so um, I'm wondering, you know, give us some gold here. So maybe something that you haven't released on an interview or, you know, something that you you don't traditionally put out in a public space. Is, is there anything that has been sort of a key to, you know, something you've done, uh, your success? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I think that when you're going out and just trying to build a foundation on social media, you need to really take some time and craft your story, like what that's going to be in the market, like what your your life, your vulnerability is your strength. So when I first go into any new market, initially when I was servicing doctors and professionals, I had this video made about my story, where I came from, the 700 square foot duplex that I lived in for many years of my life in a small town Monroe, Michigan. So they could see like they like the here's the picture. Here's where it was. And then now, because of how I learned to leverage social media, this is where it's taking me. And they could see the whole journey. And that video, uh man, it probably has I think it has over a million views right now, just that one video. And then it's like shares and likes like crazy. So I find that if you have a video Uh, or a written personal story with a photo of yourself and your family, you can use that to allow the market to – that to be your first impression in any market that you go into. And you can also back in that like if people are reading a story and they connect with you, you can certainly have a call to action at the very, very bottom. You know, For example, when I was launching my book, Social Media Made Me Rich, here's how I can do the same for you – in these new markets, that's what I did. I led with my story. So people kind of knew who I was and I hooked them in right from the beginning to you have like the first two or three sentences, you got to hook them in. So I would say something like, here's something many might not know about me. It changed the course of my life. And it's a big reason why I'm committed to paying it forward. Those first two sentences make people curious. And then that third, third or fourth sentences, you want to get into the trauma or to, to a situation that me as the reader wasn't expecting. Like, wow, like one of my clients, he almost lost his daughter in uh, her third month of life. Hmm. And that really shaped who he was, shaped his business, and many other things that related to his overall story. But it's something that you weren't expecting early on, and it stood out from all the other junk in the newsfeed. He had a nice picture of his family. There was no call to action button like on Facebook, like like a lot of marketers put, mm-hmm. it looked like an update from a friend in the newsfeed, but it was a sponsored post you know, to his market. And so that thing took off like wildfire, and I could give you countless examples of something like that. So tell your story, put it out to the market, and Facebook, I'm not going to get too techy geeky because we're not both in front of a screen, but when you 
sponsor anything or you boost a post on Facebook, that just means that you're going to pay some money for Facebook to show your post to more people. And you can do that through your Facebook fan page or you can go back in what's called your business ads manager to create an ongoing campaign. And Facebook has one option back there called the engagement option, hmm. which, which is basically a, a, a fancy way to boost a post. But we do have me, like more targeting options essentially. So yeah, you can target males, females of certain ages, um, certain languages, by keyword interests, by jobs. I mean, whoever your ideal target market would be, you want to get really well-known in front of them and you want your story to be well-known because while all these other entrepreneurs or marketers or whoever, they're saying, hey, here's my stuff, buy this now and click here and we've all seen that. One in every four posts on Facebook is an ad. It's very annoying, even for someone like me that does very well and makes money doing this. I don't, I don't like to see that in my newsfeed all the time. So I understand how the regular public is. So if you approach it from a way that doesn't look like a promotion at all, and it's, that's really not your, your foot's going to get in the door so much easier. And, and that story will be sticky in their minds. And I, you know, I remember the stories my mother used to tell me when I was five years old. Hmm. It's, it's a beautiful thing. If you understand the power of storytelling and confuse that with something that you would give away for free in exchange for a name and email. Going back to my book, what I did is I gave away the first six chapters for free plus a presentation on how to generate your first 5,000 fans in the next 30 days on Facebook. And like that was my, quote, offer at the very end. But I gave away f- more free stuff. So they would read my story. They would go and click the link in the actual post. And, and by the way, they would have to read the post to get mm. all the way down there. Mm. And, and by then, if they read the entire post – that's somebody that you're going to want in your circle right. because they're they're much more, uh, I would say, heart-centered or maybe committed and they're, they're just a more um, – a better quality of person that you'd have on your subscriber list. Yeah. So, I mean, you're taking them through a sort of hierarchy of, you know, it's, it's kind of like a funnel of, you know, okay, this person has gotten to this point and, you know, they've, they've read through this. So, they're, they're engaged. They're fully committed and sure. – and now we can bring them to a point of, you know, introducing a new idea, perhaps, or you know, taking them to a new space where you know something else is available to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, this is where I don't, I won't sell anything on the front end. There, I just want to give them more value for free. Here, take these first six chapters. You're going to learn a lot. And then once they once they have those six chapters, now they're on my email list off of social media where I can now educate them and then stack the bonuses and the value like, hey, well, this is – you read the first six chapters. What did you think? And if you like that, here's what I have for you on our, our launch bonus page. We're going to give you the book, but you'll also get access to our private group and all these other bonuses. So you want to make it just irresistible that you couldn't possibly refuse. Like, wow, that's that's really – a great offer for such a minimal price and then then people can do whatever they want afterwards so i i like to i've never been a really hard sell guy because i didn't like how that mm. felt mm-hmm. you know some i think people like to be educated and quote sold but no one likes to be pressured i think there's a line there hmm. i mean there's so many there's so many layers to this of just really understanding it and i guess it could be overwhelming for you know someone who's just launching a business to get into the marketing side of it, which is why, you know, they would hire, you know, a marketer, people who are, you know, professionals that can do this for them, right? So, I mean, what, yeah, what yeah. makes what makes a, a good marketer? I mean, how do you know, how can you tell 
when you're when you're shopping for a mark a marketing professional how can you tell that you know okay i'm making the right decision when i pick this person well the the unpopular thing i'm about to say is that first of all you need to get your hands dirty now that doesn't mean you have to know all the techie geeky stuff about this and i and i believe in delegation you know i have a team for a lot of the things that we that we do but look at the most successful entrepreneurs all the all the names that we all know and i can guarantee you they're putting some time in either creating the content or they have their finger on the money and the marketing of those two elements of the business and they're just involved they're not totally hands off there so and I, and I find this a lot with clients you know uh, going to let's say a a facebook advertising example you know you could hire an agency they're a dime a dozen, and we, we even have an agency too that helps certain clients. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know some basic metrics and how to track your stuff, what you can measure, you can improve. And if you can't measure it, there's going to be an ignorant tax that you mm-hmm. will pay. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. I <laughs> deeply apologize. It seems like, Matt, last week we had a guest on, and um, it seemed like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. <laughs> And it was just chaos. It was pandemonium just because I'm trying to, you know, like I've done, we've done like 150 or so of these episodes. You would think that I would have this down by now, you know, (laughs) and I just, um, I panicked and, and poor guy. I mean, he, uh, he was just, he was just left, you know, like with a broken, broken heart. No, I don't know. I don't know. But okay. So to pick it back up, I mean, I think we were talking, I completely forgot what we were talking about actually. Yeah, you were talking about um, so you know hiring a marketer and whatnot. Right. And I was just men- I was mentioning the fact that what you can measure, you can improve. And every guru that we all know, they have they have their hands in some way, shape, or form. They've all gotten their hands dirty. So you need to understand certain concepts. And I relayed Facebook advertising as, as an example. It's good to know certain metrics to strive for. You know when you pull things out, when you keep them going. Really, really basic stuff and conversion metrics. Because if a company is not performing to a certain basic standard, then, well, you don't need a year to find that out. You know, you, you need like a little bit of time and budget, and then you could say, well, that's not that strategy is not working. We need to shift. So I'm a big believer in like most of my work is actually consulting clients and companies, training their teams or training them personally on how to really implement an effective strategy and protocol that they can either bring in house and have their finger on the pulse of. And I just find that works just a lot better in so many cases. But if you are going to hire somebody externally, one, you need to be very clear what you're looking for. You can't just expect a marketer to, okay, well, I'm going to look for somebody that is great at search engine optimization, getting my website ranked at the top of Google. But I also want the same guy to do Facebook advertising for me. Hmm. Or even Facebook advertising can be split into so many different layers. You know, when, when people think of advertising, they think of just classic lead gen type stuff. And mm-hmm. while there is a time and place, the elegant method that I just described for you, the personal story type of thing, that is still advertising. We are spending money to put our message in front of the right people on social media. It's just a more elegant way. And then with the great thing about social media like fa- Facebook, we can, um, we can, quote, retarget people on the back end. What that means is somebody interacts with your content, watches your video for 50% of the time, we can show them more cool, helpful content that gets them closer to the result they want to generate. So it's almost like we can follow up like we would via email 
on a regular basis. And the more you follow up, well, the more likely somebody is to consume your content and eventually buy your stuff. It's, hmm. it's, it's pretty simple in that regard. So is there a time and place to hire somebody? Absolutely. But I just find so many times that uh, the business owner is just a little bit more ignorant on the process and they don't know what to look for. So they usually spend a lot more money than what they need to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it sounds kind of square and, you know, the way we're kind of relaying it, it sounds, you know, kind of almost boring. But, you know, there there are – it does – you can kind of create a game out of it, it in a way. You know, have you heard of someone sure. named uh, Shep Gordon? Yes, um, I have his book. Uh, I have his book, Supermatch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they the book is great as well. Um, they huh? they made a documentary about him as well uh, by uh -huh. Richard Linklater. I think uh, did mm -hmm. the documentary, mm -hmm. and the way he was able to get. I mean, he managed these these bands, as, as you know, and he was able to get these these people that were relatively unknown to absolutely explode. It was amazing sure. the talent that this guy had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, listen, if you're going to and I, and I found this to be true when I first started out learning how to communicate with people, a.k.a. marketing, it's it's exciting because, you know, let's say you don't have to go to school and get a your MBA to put up an ad on Facebook to figure out if it's going to drive people into your email list or not. Um, I mean, there's I like that stuff. I like figuring out what's what's working, what's not, what people are resonating with. What makes them share the content the most, and uh, that's pretty fun. And then, yeah, once you start making sales and helping people, that's that's a really amazing thing. But um, but yeah, I don't, uh, you know, there's it doesn't have to be as complicated. I think as a lot of people mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I think there's a certain point where where people, I don't know. I mean, we're moving into this this different way of of. Of you know the way we look at content has changed. You know, like people have an attention span that's so low that I mean, if you're not hooking them immediately, you know, if you're not getting their attention immediately, they're already switching the channel, they're switching the the dial, they're changing things around. You know, so I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the Pareto principle, right? Mm -hmm. Can you mm -hmm. go into that, please? The um. I just drew a blank. Um, the Pareto principle is the eighty twenty rule, where um, eighty percent of your sales is going to come from you know twenty percent of your core audience, and I think I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was thinking of something else. My mind slipped. North. Um, eighty, like I mean, it's true. Like there's a gentleman, uh, John Rulin. He wrote a great book called Giftology, and he actually talks about this in terms of gifting to the top 20%. So I'm a big believer in finding out your loyal people, the people that are taking the most action, that are consuming your content on a regular basis. Um, the, like, I mean, those are extremely valuable relationships. And I find, for example, people that consume my book, a certain percentage of those individuals will then go to the next level, which might be a video training course. And another group of those might go on to one of our seminars here in Atlanta or in the Caribbean. Another group of those might opt for a total immersion mastermind or, or whatever that is. Hmm. And so you should definitely be keeping track of your hyperactive buyers or your hyperactive engagers, all those things. And, you know, again, we do from our end too. And once you figure that out, then, you know, whether it's through uh, customer loyalty, gifting, through its, um, 
anything else to reward these people and just surprise and over-deliver. You should be over-delivering to all of your customers, kind of like giving them that Ritz-Carlton experience. But with those individuals in general, I mean, we're always trying to surprise them, for instance, and you know, get them a cool gift or like uh, keep our name in our brand in front of them, whether it's through Facebook, the retargeting sequence and element. So if you, I think if you dial that in correctly and you really build that loyalty, it probably takes less than 20%, quite honestly, to really grow, I mean, to, to achieve every milestone that you wanted. You know what I mean? I mean, you've you've mentioned Facebook a lot. I mean, is that is that kind of the the social media platform you prefer? I mean, is there is there a different sort of style for each one? I mean, Twitter. I feel like Twitter. I we have the most success on Twitter, so I don't really like Facebook at all. Really, it's going to be different based on your goals, objectives, and the type of brand that you have. I'm most active. I mean, if you look at my tweets, I'm probably most active on probably most active on Twitter, but I get the least engagement on Twitter hmm. because, you know, c- celebrities, for example, if you're a usher, you know, the president or whoever it is, I, I find that a lot of celebrity brand, like really high level celebrity brands just get a ton of engagement. Uh, Facebook, we get a tremendous amount of engagement over that way. I like from a, um, uh, again, this is, this is really going to vary by business. Sure. So, one, if you're just starting out wondering which medium you should be going into first, it's a good idea to pick two or three and start to test the water to connect with your ideal audience. And if you find that more people are engaging with you on Facebook, well, that could definitely be your primary go-to. And there are other reasons why you might start there too, especially with the advertising and the targeting. There's no other social channel that has as good of advertising uh, and targeting capability as Facebook, in my opinion. So if you want to really reach your ideal person with a flip of a switch in a few seconds, that would be a very smart play um, you know, for, for that. But again, depending on the business. Hmm. Twitter has their own advertising platform as well, and there is certain value. I mean, you could literally target followers of another big brand. Let's say you're in personal development self-help. Well, you could go run an ad to all of Tony Robbins' followers, hmm. which – would make a lot of sense, uh, but you, then again, you'd have to test and see what's working well. You know, are we just going to offer them a subscription link to our podcast? Is it going to be an ethical bribe? Are we going to try and sell them something? So you, you're going to have to test things on your end. Other companies now are experimenting with networks like uh, Instagram or TikTok. You know, TikTok yeah. is the hottest app out there yeah. at this at this stage. It's a younger demographic, however. I'm seeing very similar things that what I saw on YouTube back in 2006 when it first started. Right. I'm not going to go as far as say that it will be that, hmm. but you know, it's pretty amazing when you can pop up a video and get 13,000 video views in an hour yeah. or less. Um, one of my clients did a, a simple video about posture and stretching and bam, 200,000 views later in a matter of three days. That's amazing. So, you know, I mean, that's pretty darn good exposure. So again, you've got to test any of these mediums and certainly if you have a specific question about your business i mean tweet me or facebook me and i can kind of give you some insight where i think you might be better off starting right um yeah but but it is it goes across the board yeah i mean it's really interesting the sort of spectrum um a friend of mine made this very clear to me and the way he put it i think was really interesting but you know it's it's like there's there's only so much retail space that you have on your phone. Your screen is limited to a a certain size, right? So there's four or five apps that sort of dominate your your home screen sort of page. 
And, you know, each each of these different apps, like whether it's Instagram, they ha- they do have this totally different demographic. And I was, you know, it's funny that you mentioned TikTok because I had just, I just downloaded it and I was, I was kind of exploring it and going through <laughs> these different videos. It's, it's really intriguing. And what I noticed is the, the good marketers, the people who, you know, know what they're doing for celebrities, they're already on there. They're already getting the celebrities oh, yeah. to produce content for TikTok. And oh, it's yeah. already up. It's already there. They're already verified. And then, mm-hmm. you know, mentioning Instagram, it seems like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very fine balance, you know, like if, if you know that you're going to reach more people on Instagram and maybe, you know, maybe there's something in your demographic that just connects with Instagram better. Maybe you mm-hmm. have a business that, you know, is a fashion business and you, so you take more pictures and, you know, people are on Instagram more to look at, at pictures, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so would you, would you recommend that people are on all, all platforms or just fo- like once you find your niche, focus on that, you know, that one specifically? Yeah. I, so I, li- I like the idea of having accounts on all the channels, certainly, but you will dig deep roots and one or two maybe, but this is where, like I said, you'll have to test the first five and, you know, even including Snap, you know, Snap is very interesting because it has the behavioral targeting that Facebook actually had to do away with. I mean, you can target by geolocation, people live in the moment there. You can target by uh, income, some pretty fascinating things. So I'm, I'm just a big believer in testing and then really digging roots into one big platform. So even though I do have a presence on all of these channels, hmm. in terms of my uh, advertising spend for our companies, you know, I would say probably 80% goes right into Facebook because mm. it's still with over 2 billion people, it's our target market for who we're servicing the most, which we can deliver value. And, you know, we've just got everything down to a science. Uh, now that's not to say that that's going to be like that tomorrow. And I've always, listen, I've had accounts banned in the past on different social channels. I remember on YouTube in 2006, where it was the wild, wild west, hmm. You know, you're just you're putting stuff up and not really offense. It wasn't offensive content. It's just, you know, YouTube changed their terms of service. Uh, you know, a year later, you couldn't add something in a video, or you couldn't say this or whatever right. it was. Yeah. Like really, ben- really benign stuff. And then boom, channels were gone overnight. So th- what that taught me early on is that uh, I one, I need to use social media in large part to get people onto a list that I control, mm, whether it's yeah. my email whether it's my email list or a text list or something where I'm not crippled if Facebook right. changes an algorithm like so many people have been, you know, uh, I'm just used to boosting posts and spending sure. money on advertising. So I don't, I, I understand the game, but a lot of the brands that we work with, they're kind of shocked when one to 2% of their five, 10 million or more followers see their content. They, they never looked at their insights before right. they assumed that everything was getting out there and, no, no, it's a Facebook is a pay to play platform. They've got an obligation to shareholders. So that's just the game. And the smarter you can play that, well, you know, you uh, you can do some pretty amazing things. I I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I think that's crucial to know that and to exercise that because, you know, if we look at these these large, you know, megalithic sort of companies that they are the middlemen for, you know, reaching your audience and the sooner that you're able to cut out the middleman, the better you're off you're going to be, you know, and the people who are religiously consuming your content and believe in what you're doing and follow you, 
they're going to they're going to want to do that. They're going to want to know, you know, if whether it's an app that you put out yourself or an email list, they're going to want to be on that list. Absolutely. Uh, it's just don't don't uh, go through the school of hard knocks like I had to go to go through. And it was just I I can't say enough about building your um, your home on a platform either that you control or or migrating people anyway. So uh, you you just need to play for the the long haul. I mean, if something happened to our channel, boom, we, we at least we have that communication. We could start somewhere new, and I, there's a lot of censorship going on. Not to get into that side mm. of the, the conversation, but regardless of how you feel about certain things i'm a, i'm a big free speech advocate Same. you know my, myself and because i realize if you don't you can't just be for some of it like that's not the point even though i might find certain views repugnant hey you know right. i i have the opportunity to turn that channel off yeah. or not to listen or whatever but um big tech you know they want to be the police in many regards and and who's to say that what you you empowering the average person to better their finances, to better their health, whatever that may be, who's to say that that might not be fringe one day? Or you might not be looked at as, wait a minute, you're going against right. the status quo here. Yep. We've got to keep these people in a line. So I just would be very um, – always keep that in the back of your mind. You know, Build your audience, but uh, think of a way that you can get them on a list you control. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, we've covered it here on the show, and it, it does seem very Orwellian in the direction <laughs> yeah. in which sort of this is all going. And, you know, from from the privacy concerns with, you know, the way Facebook is operating, Google as well, and, sure. you know, sort of editing search results. And, I mean, yep. you don't know when you're going to be in the crosshairs of that if they just – if some dude working at Google decides one day, you know, I don't want this person to kind of appear in search results today. So, you know, you're, yeah, it's, it's it, a very, it's a very scary thing. And I just, it, it could happen to anyone. So, uh, we could go, we could go a lot deeper in this conversation, but, uh, yeah, you, you want to protect yourself and certainly just be, you know, you be aware. For sure. Matt, we've got about 12 minutes. I mean, is there, what else can we mention? How can we wrap this together in sort of a bow that, I mean, what, let's, let's talk about, you know, maybe if someone is just sort of getting off the ground and it, what do you say to that person? Like, what kind of advice do you give to that person? Cause I mean, I encounter a lot of people that are, you know, the, the podcast market is completely saturated, you know, thanks Joe Rogan sure. for telling everyone to have a podcast, you know, <laughs> thank you, you know, no disrespect intended, love that guy. But I'm just saying, you know, like everyone has a podcast now, everyone does. And so, you know, when I hear about someone telling me that they want to start a podcast now, I'm kind of like, you know, you missed the boat a little bit, you know, mm, but yeah. I mean, so what do you tell you know, people just entering a very saturated market in many regards. Yeah. So the first thing that I always try to like when I, even when I work with somebody, the, the first thing that we always put together is a value piece. So even if it's the most saturated market, whatever that is, we're always looking for an angle to like, how, okay, again, how can we go back to the basics? How can I deliver value? Even if, if in the saturated market to where somebody would see this and it would be just something that they would want, you know, like even if you're in the paleo niche and you're giving away 20 free recipes, well, you know, maybe recipes never go out of style and people are always looking for new recipes. So that would be a very simple and easy way to build your list that, 
you know, you could then communicate with later on. So I always go back to that start. How can I think of something of high value and just stack on the bonuses initially, whatever I need to do just to get my foot in the door, build my email list. And then, you know, as we start to use a channel for advertising, whether that's Facebook, LinkedIn, Snap, Twitter, whatever that is, we'll find which one is going to produce the highest quality person in our funnel. And then we just will keep that going consistently. Meanwhile, you can then start to develop your own foundation and, and, and brand. So I like to reverse engineer my market. If you're going into a market like paleo, there's going to be certain things maybe that the top people have on their sites and are doing. I don't like to reinvent the wheel. I like to see what people are doing and then potentially do it better or at a higher level. And some of these things trend. Sometimes it's really consistent information for long periods of time. So you have to know your market inside and out, and preferably you have a lot of experience in that. You know, you just because you might have uh, went to school to become a dentist doesn't mean you have to stick in the dental arena. You might have a hobby and you're really good at fixing cars or something that you can just put out educational content and people might resonate with you because of how you talk, the shirt that you're wearing, because you look like a down-to-earth guy. Hmm. You, you just never know. And But once you start putting content out, you will get a feel for who's in your audience. Uh, but I always lead with something of free value, and then you can worry about, okay, building an actual site, a home online that features you in a very, very worthy light. And then hmm. if you want to, even if you don't have any products, services, or programs, but just to have some type of home, um, and then be, you know, work on what we talked about earlier, those positioning factors and thinking, how can I elevate my brand, elevate my status, position myself so that I'm looked at as credible right from the get-go that I'm differentiated with X amount of people. And I realize that some of you right now, you might not be in a position where if there's an opportunity for you to invest 5000 or $10,000 to be in a circle with certain people or at a high level corporate and have, you know, have, be able to piggyback on a name, well, you can, it still doesn't cost you any money to go and network with local meetup groups and just to meet people. And you know, you'd be surprised at how far that alone can take you just by, just by saying, Hey, you know, I, well, if I would have, you know, going back in time, the fastest point from A to B would have been for me just to find somebody that would potentially have been doing what I want to be doing and say, well, how can I even, whatever I have to do to learn from this person, even if it's to work for free, hmm. I'll absorb the knowledge. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll eat dirt. But if I can learn how this millionaire, this multimillionaire became as such, well, that's, that's again, the fastest path. So I don't mean to go on like separate tangents hmm. here, but it, it kind of all comes together in terms of a foundation. You have to lay a strong foundation through the value that you deliver based on anything else. And then once you have that foundation, then you can worry about either the site or other strategies and tactics like you might learn in my book or something else. But I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they forget about that. Even if they have a just an amazing television show or podcast or whatever, they're just not getting – You know, they're still relying on that one channel. And they don't have an email list of 10, 20, 50,000 people that they can email any time. That to, you know to tell them their new podcast episode is out, True. as opposed to just waiting for the subscription on iTunes or whatever. So, you know, I'm kind of old school like that. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just to just to edit what I said, I mean, I'm not saying don't start a podcast if you want to start a podcast. Please do that. But I think it's it's really good to kind of meter your expectations of where you're going to be. I think people have some sort of, you know, uh, I don't know, like a impression that they're going to conquer, you know, everything when, you know, start just with, you know, the first step first, you know, figure out which microphone you're going to buy before you have hopes and dreams about, you know, like changing the world. Exactly. You know, and then you have to decide, like I talk about in my book, you know, once you get your ideas and you decide you want to create something, whatever that is, if it's a podcast, an online course, whatever, whatever that something is, then yeah, have that free giveaway attached to it. And then, you know, map it out. Like I, like I kind of show you, like, what do you want to deliver in this thing? What is your short-term goal? What is your long-term goal? Who do you want to help the most? And then, you know, when you have that, then you can apply the strategies, the tactics, and, and just, just layer on everything else and see how amazing this beautiful world that we live in is. I mean, it's, it still blows my mind. I remember when I, I didn't have an online business, you know, where I still had my primary practice and I just had an idea. Hmm. I knew there was something to this internet thing. And then I began to kind of work it and slowly, but surely that snowball turned into an avalanche. Hmm. So I, I mean, big, big things can happen and it's a lot easier now. My gosh, I like maybe Xavier, you know this uh, too, but five, six years ago, even you used to have, I mean, you'd have to have like five or six programs or pieces and tools to be able to do everything like that uh, a Kartra or ClickFunnels does nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're talking about like online business type stuff with shopping carts, with the email management system all in one place, the sales pages, the landing page, it's, it's insane how, I don't want to say how easy it is, but, but it's pretty easy. I mean, to at least get set up with something. Well, I mean, I think the toolkit has changed. So, you know, sure. when you when you know what you're doing, the the kind of the knife that you're using has changed, upgraded the knife. But, I mean, if if you're still just kind of like chopping around, you're you're going to cut yourself, you know. So, it's good to learn the basics and understand kind of the realm and you know your approach. And I think having just a a mission statement, like you know what what problem are you solving? I mean, that's, that's kind of the mantra of everything. And, you know, what makes you as a company, what, what are you, what are you doing? What value are you providing to people? Why should, why should I give you my attention? You know, why should I give you my money? You know, more than that. So, so Matt, I mean, I really enjoyed this conversation, man. Where can people get to your work? Where can people find your book? Sure, absolutely. Uh, the book is available in bookstores, um, Amazon. You can even go if you went to socialmediamademerich.com slash gifts, G-I-F-T-S. You can download the first six chapters there. Uh, I'm pretty active on social media, so you can find me at Matthew Loop, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-L-O-O-P. And you know, if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, you're looking to to grow in any way, shape, or form using social, let's have a conversation. Um and see where your highest leverage areas are. You know, there could be a lot of opportunity, and um, I've just found that it, it's still in a, a very abundant and prosperous time, regardless of what goes on on social media. There, there will always be opportunity. It's just about being able to leverage that, connecting with people that have already been where you want to be, and just figuring out those uh, those shortcuts. I know there are people that will tell you that there are no shortcuts in business, but I don't, I don't find that's I don't find that's true. I mean, you could learn social media on your own. You could learn how to advertise on Twitter and Facebook, 
but then you how, like how long is that going to take you hours a day and or you could just take a course and figure some stuff out through a person that's already generating millions and millions of dollars it's right. it's pretty simple learn the systems and you can apply it to your own niche but uh, but yeah any way that I can help you guys um just feel free to contact me on social 100% I love that uh, just to add to that a little bit there's a there's an old quote by uh, Tony Robbins and he says you know business deals are like buses there's one every few minutes so don't think that you you miss the bus you know on on the business side of things Guys, we're going to get out of here. Uh, my my guest for tonight, Dr. Matthew Loop. And the book is called... Which you can find at bookstores. And we will definitely make that link available on the website. We usually hang out on the community server. You can find the link to that. It's allmylinks.com slash thehumanxp. The invite to that is usually open. You're welcome to come join us there. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with a new guest. Have a good night.